0: A couple of years ago, we went on a family day out to Bridlington. There's a fantastic swimming pool there. And if you ever get the chance to go, I really recommend it. And we had loads of fun uh, going on all the slides and the different equipment. And then afterwards, we went down to the seafront and we had the compulsory fish and chips that you have to have when you're at the beach. As we were heading back up the main street, we walked past one of those like haunted house type places. My youngest son, Aaron, I don't know, he was probably five or six at the time, but he's always been a little bit of an adventurer, a little bit of a rebel, and he really wanted to try a haunted house. I wasn't sure, my husband Luke just made it clear that he wasn't interested at all, but then my other son Morgan got involved, and before I knew it, I'd agreed to take both boys into this place on my own. Pretty much as soon as we entered, I began to realise that this was totally not appropriate for such young kids. First of all, it was dark. It was like really, really dark and narrow and things would jump out at us. There were horrible loud noises and flashes and within two minutes, both boys were sobbing. And I wasn't far behind them. It was awful. So we decided let's just cut our losses and let's get out of here as quickly as we can. The problem is with these places is that they're one way. You just can't turn around. You have to keep going to get to the end. So we just put our heads down like this and we went as fast as we could. We were pushing past groups of teenagers and young couples on date nights and finally we emerged into the light of the afternoon sun. Now, I found 2020 a little bit like that haunted house experience. There was darkness for lots of people. There was closure of businesses. There was loss of jobs, loss of income. Schools and universities closed. Mental health was impacted. All sorts of bad things happened. Now, don't get me wrong. For many of us, there was also some great stuff too. But it was full of surprises. We never really knew what was going to happen next. Stay at home, only leave the house for exercise, clap the NHS, eat out to help out, stay at home again, only mix outdoors, rule of six, students can go to university, then it's the students fault that the numbers were rising, stay at home again, Christmas baubles, don't travel, do travel, no actually don't travel, by the end of 2020 we were all just like done with it weren't we? Like that haunted house, we just wanted it to be over, to get out as soon as possible. And during that last week of the year, I noticed that my social media was filled with memes and sentiments, celebrating the end of the year. Jog on 2020! See you later 2020! What a rubbish year this was! And people were putting their hope in 2021. I saw people saying that 2021 was gonna be their year, the best year ever. They were putting the darkness behind them. 2021 was going to bring great brightness. Of course, we knew that nothing um, overnight was gonna change, but 2021 seemed to bring a new hope. But then on the 4th of January, we were back into lockdown, back into darkness, schools closed, students stay at home, no travel, more furlough, more working from home, more mental health problems, more pressure on the NHS. Suddenly that brightness that 2021 had offered had gone dark. And then as we reached the end of January, I noticed a similar pattern happening. This time people were celebrating the end of the month. January was finally over. February would be better. I actually saw this meme which really made me laugh. 30 days has September, April, June and November. Unless a leap year, it is its fate. February has 28. It's a classic. But all the rest have three more, except January, which has (laughs) 6,184. January did feel like such a long, dark month, didn't it? Especially for parents juggling homeschooling and working without that luxury of long summer days that we had last year. Of course, lockdown wasn't going to lift at the end of January. But nevertheless, people seemed relieved that January was over. And then on the very first day of February, a friend of mine shared this little picture. Today is the 1st of February. By the end of the month, the sun won't set until 5.41pm. By the end of March, it will be 7.37pm. April 8.30, May 9.17, June 9.34, there are brighter days ahead. Now, those are really interesting facts about what time the sun sets. But I don't know, doesn't that just happen every year? It struck me that we're so desperate for the darkness to finish that we'll put our hope in anything. What year it is, what month it is, even what time the sun sets. And that is really natural. When going through darkness, of course we want out, we would do anything to lift the darkness, wouldn't we? We pray for the darkness to end, whether it's mental health or stress, please, God, lift this darkness. When it's illness or injury, please, God, lift this darkness. Whether it's school or university, please, God, lift this darkness. Whenever we're in darkness, of course we want it to end, please, God. That's natural. We don't want to suffer through bad times. Today we mark the start of Holy Week, the final week of Jesus's life on earth, the week leading up to his death and then of course his resurrection. And today is Palm Sunday, often celebrated by holding palm leaves and then marching round. It's a celebration of the day Jesus arrived in Jerusalem riding on a donkey. In Luke 19 we pick up the story of Jesus arriving in Jerusalem. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt, a baby donkey tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, just say the Lord needs it. I mean, that in itself is amazing, right? Jesus knew exactly where a colt would be tied. But anyway, let's carry on the story. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. Exactly as Jesus said would happen. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, "'Teacher, rebuke your disciples.'" "'I tell you,' he replied, "'if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out.'" I love that. "'If they keep quiet, then the stones will start singing.'" And then as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it and said, "'If you, even you, had only known on this day "'what would bring you peace.'" but now it is hidden from your eyes. So part of the reason for the excitement of Jesus's arrival was because Jerusalem was actually in a season of darkness. It was under Roman rule, so Caesar was their emperor and Herod was like the ruler of Galilee, but honestly he was more of an oppressor than a leader. Jerusalem just wasn't what it should be. Israel was no longer a kingdom of kindness and justice as it should be, but it was full of people who worshipped many gods. And one of the reasons there was so much excitement and anticipation and all of this noise for Jesus' arrival is that people were fed up of this and expectant for the new king, who was gonna bring in a new season for Jerusalem. They knew that a new king was coming and their hope rightfully was in Jesus. And as we see in this scripture, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem riding on a donkey, a small donkey at that. It was totally not appropriate for a king, not very regal. And to you know what the first thing he does is he weeps. He weeps at the state of Jerusalem and he weeps at what it has become. He weeps not just for the city, but for his people, how lost they were and how lost we are. They're expecting this new king to usher in a new time, but instead, this king cries. You see, Jesus knew something about darkness. In fact, much of that last week of Jesus' life was in darkness. There was that darkness over Jerusalem, like I've just described, but there was also a spiritual darkness over Jesus as he battled with what he knew must happen And then there was quite a lot of physical darkness too. There was the Last Supper, which happened in the evening. Judas betrayed Jesus, happened in the darkness. The Mount of Olives, where he asked his disciples to stay awake while he prayed. And of course, they didn't. And then his arrest all happened at night in darkness. Jesus knew something about darkness in Exodus 19, there's a story about darkness. The Israelites are camped out in front of Mount Sinai and God said he would come in a dense cloud. So three days went by and everyone prepared themselves for God. They washed their clothes, they didn't touch the mountain at all and they abstained from sex as they'd been ordered to do. And on the third morning, sure enough, There was thunder and lightning and the whole mountain was covered in smoke and everyone trembled. This darkness was scary. But then something surprising happened. God called Moses into the smoke, into the darkness and Moses stepped into it. He had to step into the darkness to meet with God. He had to do the scary thing. He had to face the black smoke and thunder and walk right into it. And in the middle of it, that's where God gave him the most important message of all time, the Ten Commandments. Moses knew something about darkness. And similarly, Elijah went through a whole load of darkness and pain and fear, but God met with him in that place. The shepherds encountered God's angel in the middle of a dark night on a hill. Samuel was lying in the dark when God called out his name. Deborah walked into spiritual darkness, facing potential death in war as she led an army into battle, but God met them there and provided. God knows something about darkness. Now returning back to the story of Jesus in Holy Week, in Matthew 26 it says, going a little ahead, Jesus fell on his face praying, my father if there is any way get me out of this but please not what I want, your will should be done. Jesus knew exactly what was ahead of him and he had to step into it. Jesus knew something about darkness. I think Palm Sunday is more relevant than ever this year. We're kind of in a similar state to Jerusalem, feeling like this has to end, this state we've been living in, this oppression, this lack of freedom, this disconnection, even having a ruler that many of us don't respect. This has to end. None of us thought it would go on for this long. We all thought it would be over by now. And maybe for you, this isn't a season of darkness. Maybe you're thriving, and that is brilliant. I know people who have found real joy and real peace in this past year. But at some point, we all walk through hard times. We all go through dark seasons. And while we're in it, let's not sit and wait for things that glitter like the end of one calendar year or the fact that the sun sets a little later. Let's not wait until we get the vaccine or until we go on holiday or until the kids leave home or we get a new job. Jesus knew something about darkness. And while darkness is uncomfortable and unpleasant and we just want it to be over by stepping into it, embracing it and facing it, I think we meet Jesus in a whole new way. A few years ago, lots of you will know and some of you will remember journeying with us at the time. My husband Luke had cancer. Our kids were very, very young. They were both under the age of two. They were both at home all of the time. And it was a really, really dark season for me. I felt like um, I was just in this dark fog every day and it took everything to just keep going, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. I wasn't praying. I was so angry at God. I was angry at Luke. I was angry at anyone and everything. I was kind of like a cat in a bag, just scratching and clawing to get my way out. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't like this beautiful discipleship journey of drawing near to God in my darkness that I would love to tell you about. I just wanted it to end for this season to finish. It was so dark and awful. And I felt really far away from God for a really long time. It happened to be the year 2013. I've never been um, superstitious, but 13 is an unlucky number. And I found myself looking forward to the year ending, for this living hell to be over and everything would be okay again and go back to normal. Thankfully, Luke's treatment was successful and he survived. Our kids are way too young to remember it and they don't seem to be scarred for life by it. But as 2013 turned to 2014, I wasn't magically okay. I was still lost. I was still unable or unwilling to pray. My world still felt dark and foggy, and I found myself looking forward to a time where the kids would be in nursery or school because then I would be better, right? Once they got into school, I'd be fine. And at some point in 2014, I heard this old 80s song called Get Here by Alita Adams. It's not a worship song. It's just an 80s cheesy love song, but it kind of became my prayer. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it for you. But some of the lyrics go like this. You can reach me by railway. You can reach me by trailway. You can reach me on an aeroplane. You can reach me with your mind. You can reach me by caravan, across the desert like an Arab man. I'm not sure about that lyric. I don't care how you get here. Just get here if you can. I really needed God to show up and I began to sing these lyrics to him. I don't care how you get here. Just get here if you can. And that is how I began to pray and reach out to him. And Jesus found me in the darkness. Slowly, our relationship was rekindled, and slowly I began to heal. The Holy Spirit was so gentle with me, allowing me to express all my emotions and then ministering to me and allowing me to recover. Jesus knows something about darkness. So, today it's one week until Easter. The clocks changed last night. We are officially in British summertime. The evenings will, of course, be lighter and the days will feel longer. And over the next few months, lockdown will slowly lift and we will begin to return to our old lives. And if you're anything like me, there might be some stuff that you're really looking forward to. Maybe it's having a barbecue with friends or maybe you'll get to go on holiday abroad this year. Maybe you're excited about just going to someone else's house or hosting people in your own home, cooking for other people. Maybe it's seeing extended family, parents, grandparents, cousins, aunties, uncles. All of this stuff is is just great stuff to be looking forward to. And there's nothing wrong with looking forward. But if we're only looking forward, if we're just waiting for things to get better, waiting until the darkness finishes, then I think we risk missing something. Jesus knew something about darkness. I believe he wants to meet us in that place. He stepped into it, he embraced it, he entered it, and he felt every part of it. And when we're in darkness, I wonder if we could also be willing to step into it with him and discover maybe an intimacy like we haven't known before. We so often think of darkness as bad and light as good and we want it to be really, really clear cut. And of course, in the Bible, it says that Jesus is light and that we are rescued out of darkness. But Jesus also walked through the darkness. I believe when faced with darkness, just like Moses and Deborah and Elijah and the shepherds, just like so many for us we have two options. We can wait until the darkness disappears and just hope that things get better or we can walk into the dark cloud and meet God intimately. As much as I wish for this season to end I don't want to miss out on what God's got for me. So maybe this message isn't for you right now If you're thriving or maybe even if you're just fine, if you're not in a season of darkness, then I do hope this message from Palm Sunday stays with you. And when you encounter dark seasons and tough times, I pray that you're able to face the darkness and find God's love in the middle of it. And if you are someone who is walking through darkness right now, whether it's this pandemic or whether it's mental health or ill health or missing friends and family or even total boredom, may you have the courage to turn and face that darkness and find yourself in God's embrace. Let's pray. Father God, we turn to you in our times of trouble as well as our times of flourishing. When we're struggling and the world seems dark, we trust that you are there with us and that you will find us and that you will embrace us and you will meet with us right in the middle of the dark cloud. I pray for anyone struggling right now, that they will know your closeness and your favour now more than ever. Amen.